Take a seat. Amen, amen. Good morning, City Light. So good to be here. My name is Glenn. I serve as one of the, the pastors here. It's my joy to bring the Word of God this morning. Yes, I am wearing a hoodie um, for like the fourth or fifth week in a row. I, I'm kind of going through something right now. It's called I Really Miss College. And <laughs> I planted a church so that no one could tell me what to wear on Sunday mornings. Um, there's a few guys in this room who are like, be careful there on our advisory team. Um, Hey, uh, listen, it's Christmas time, y'all. It's here. Like, I don't know if, you, if it's hit you yet. We're just a couple weeks away. It's Christmas time. Um, a few things I really celebrate at Christmas. One of them is Christmas lights. Don't you love Christmas lights on houses? Yeah. I don't have any on mine, but I love <laughs> celebrating my neighbors, all their hard work. I love affirming them. It's not about me. Um, I also, don't you love gift giving? And gift receiving, who doesn't like that? Don't you love the same game we play every year where someone says, hey, we're going to do this thing where you need to pick something, 25, 30, 50 bucks. Um, then you let everyone else know what you want. And then you give the recommendation and the person who's going to get you the gift is like, no. <laughs> and you, okay, well, maybe you want something practical. I'll take some thermal socks, you know. No, I can't get you that. You really can't get me that. Are they out of stock? Is it... <laughs> No, it needs to be more novel because this is what we do. We, we want to have something that's kind of novel so that in the moment when we take the present out of the box and present it, everyone kind of goes, oh, and we all know in that moment it's going to get thrown away. It's going to get, you know, put in the, in the storage bin, uh, never to be seen again. But, but hey, Merry Christmas, right? Here's the thing. We kind of have these same things we do every year, but Christmas, if you're anything like me, um, you need to discipline yourself each year to actually get into the heart the spirit, the soul of Christmas and what it means. We're, we're in a series right now leading up to our Christmas Eve gathering. It's a series on Advent. Advent means arrival. We as Christians ought to have a sense of anticipation, a sense of excitement, a sense of preparation. Um, we, we, we regard as Christians the first Advent of Jesus, which is the baby born in the manger, his first coming, we, we regard also and we look forward with great hope to the second advent of Jesus, the second coming. And this morning what we're going to do is we're going to explore the visitation of the, the angel Gabriel to Mary. And you know Mary's Jesus' mom. We're going to look at her response in particular. And Along the way, here's what we're going to see. We're going to see a teen mom model to us both praise and faith. And along the way, we're going to see a revelation of really good news for humanity in Jesus. And we're going to be challenged this morning to take it personally. We're going to go on a journey through some 30 verses together, okay? Are you with me? I want you to get your Bibles out if you brought them or your device. Listen, not everything that we read is going to be up on the screens. I need your participation this morning. Get the device, get the Bible, meet me in the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. Gospel of Luke chapter 1. We're going to do a Bible study this morning. Allow me to set the stage for us. Gospel of Luke chapter 1. We're going to pick it up in verse 26. If you're there, say, I'm there. Okay, good, 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 good. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. 
Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found, and here's that word again, favor with God. You will continue, or conceive, excuse me, and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Let me just stop right here, and can we just look at who Jesus is? This angel is coming to this young girl, probably 14 years of age, and saying, you're going to conceive. And here, here's, here's how he describes our God. His name is Jesus. Jesus means salvation. It means God saves. It means God delivers. It means God liberates. In his name already we have a picture of who our God is. He will be very great. Is there anyone as great as Jesus? Is there anyone who's had more songs written about him? More art painted, attributed to him? More books written discussing him? More debates had about him? Is there anyone who's liberated more than Jesus has liberated? Is there, any, is there anyone who's delivered people more than Jesus Christ has delivered people? Is there anyone as great as Jesus? The answer is no. Not even close. He is very great. And it says he is the son of the most high. At this time, we may not feel this as much today, but for you to say that, and later on the son of God is how he's going to be attributed. For you to say that is to say he's co-equal with God. Jesus got in trouble because he said, I'm the son of God. God is going to be born. Do we understand this? God's going to be born from a young woman, a child, a baby in a manger. God, the creator, the maker of all things, the Lord of all creation, will come to us on this earth as a small child. Not to mention he will reign over Israel and he will establish his kingdom forever forever and ever and ever. Kings have come and gone. Today, kings come and go. There is one king of kings. There is one Lord of all lords. His name is Jesus Christ. He is going to usher in a kingdom in its fullness in the end that never, ever, ever fails. All of that is beginning right here in these moments with this young, vulnerable girl. And so naturally, verse 34, Mary asks the angel, how can this happen? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more? And this, I think, is just godly encouragement to her. Sometimes you need somebody in the trenches with you, amen? Your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Church, listen to me here. 
let me paint a picture, just like a portrait of Mary's profile and situation. Generations of people, parents, grandparents had come and gone who spoke the same stories, pointed to the same prophecies of old, and said there will be a Messiah. There will be a, a Savior who comes to, to establish a kingdom, to save us from sin. And those generations of people were born, they told the stories, and they passed. And they were born, and they told the stories, and they passed. And the next generation told the stories, and they passed. 400 years of prophetic silence marked this time where Mary was met with Gabriel and she's uneducated she's poor she's not anyone that you would guess would be chosen by God now she's going to be met with a scandal of pregnancy when I was thinking about how can I put myself in Mary's shoes which is impossible but how can I try to empathize to read this and really put myself in here. You know what makes it really easy is the song, Mary, Did You Know? I don't know if you've heard that song. I want to just read the lyrics. I was going to invite Roy up to do a special. He would take too much pride in that. So here, here's the song. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? <sighs> Did you know that your baby boy will calm the storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? When you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God. The blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will live again. The lame will leap, the mute will speak the praises of the Lamb. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect Lamb? That sleeping child you're holding is the great I Am. How Mary must have felt in these moments, we can't imagine. But church, can I just share with you what we don't have recorded in scripture? Here are questions from Mary that you do not find. Where have you been? Why have our people waited for so long? How am I going to explain this to Joseph? Will he leave me? How do, how do I explain this to my parents, to my community? Who's going to believe me? It couldn't have been a woman of more noble birth. Someone with better resources, a little older, a little wiser, already wed. How am I going to take care of him? How will I be responsible for this? Will I ruin this assignment? Will I be enough? What if? What if? What if? But what about? But what happens when? No, no, no. Here's what we get. Verse 38. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. So Mary is going to take this 70 to 100 mile hike up the hill country to be with her relative Elizabeth. And there she will find encouragement. But where I want to camp this morning, ooh, church, get ready. Where I want to camp this morning is Mary's song. I don't know how many times you've read this, studied this song. This is 
Mary's Magnificat. It's an epic song that she writes, composes. It's a poem. After she's taken all of this in, and we have so much to learn from her response, I want you to meet me in verse 46. Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. Church, wake up. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Did you know that you are soul and spirit? You're not just flesh and bones. You are more than that. There is something deep down in you deeper than the heart level. It's rooted deep down in you, soul and spirit. And that's the place, that's the well, that's the source where our praise and our gratitude in our inmost being, that's where it ought to come from. Mary looks at everything that's happening. She says, oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit has joy in him. Y'all have heard the old Roscoe Dash song, all the way turned up. That's Mary's heart right now. How could it be? What I want you to know is this is how God has designed us to be. It's not weird to be a worshiper of God. It's not weird. There's there's nothing that I think of. um, I think of the moment where uh, uh, oil was poured on on, uh, Jesus' feet with hair, right? And Jesus welcomes that. There's, There's nothing that's too much in praise and worship of our God. And right here, you see this declaration from Mary. And here's, here's what I want to say, okay? I want to come down to earth for a moment. How's your soul? How's your spirit? Right now, this Christmas season, in your inner being, how are you? How are you? See, I would guess, because I'm also a human living in this world, that uh, your soul is cluttered. The, the rate of toxicity is really high deep down in your soul and in your spirit. You, your life right now is very likely filled with distractions. There's mess. There's unmet expectations. We're coming in here this morning. It's very likely we're not fixed on heaven. We're not fixed in eternity. Our soul and our spirit are not gazing at Jesus Christ and worshiping his person and his work. And here's the thing. No amount of Christmas lights or lattes or sweaters or parties or good food is going to actually give us what we need, the the living water that we need, the bread of life that we are really hungry for. What happens in our life as human beings is apart from God, we find ourselves thirsty over and over again, hungry over and over again, never to be satisfied. And listen, that is not the vision that God has for your life. That's not the vision God has for you. That's not his best for you. That's not abundant. It sounds terrible. And it's where often we settle and live day to day. I want to let you in on life a little bit for me to give you an example of this. Um, I'm really embarrassed to bring up this story, but I just have to. So over the last, I don't know, month or so, uh, my wife and I, we have a two-month-old named Annie, and our family went from four to five with her. And um, both Kate and I drove vehicles that were good for four. So we are having to get into the market. We got 
Uh, Kate, you know, a van, and she's all about that van life. Um, <laughs> you heard about the magic slide seats in the Honda Odyssey? If you know, you know, okay? <laughs> Woo, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. We'll stow and go. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Well, here I am. Here I am now, and I, first of all, I'm grieving because um, my car, Chip, I named him because I got, a, I got a discount for him when I bought him years ago because he had a chip in the side. So I was like, can you take off another grand or something like that? Uh, it was a Honda Civic, and I missed my car. Do you know why? Uh, every single time I sat down and turned the key in Chip, he said, here I am, master. How can I serve you? <laughs> Never had any issues with Chip. He was faithful. I had to watch them drive him away because we traded him in for that van, okay? So I'm grieving that. Well, now I'm, I'm, I'm driving a vehicle that suits four. We need five. So here's the thing. My soul is in a terrible place because late at night, what am I doing? I'm reading the consumer reports. I'm watching the YouTube video reviews from both the experts and the people who really know, which is the moms out there, okay? <laughs> you all know what I'm talking about. Never in my life have I had something so steal like my thoughts day to day, moment to moment, uh, steal my time. I'm just always thinking about it. Never in my life have I cared more about colors and car seats and dadgum cup holders and are they going to fit our water bottles. Okay? I, it's ruining Christmas for me. It really is. And I, I tell you that because I just want to let you in. Like, I know I'm not alone, okay? You may not be in a vehicle search right now and it's a nightmare and you want to make a good investment, blah, 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 but you got your own issues. There are your own things right now. And here's the thing. If I could get practical, you cannot take a busy, stressful, overwhelming life and just sprinkle Christmas and Jesus and the good news of the gospel on top of that and it just solves everything. You can't do that. You are a human being. You have a fixed ceiling of capacity. You have limitations. God did not make you amazingly strong. You are dependent. You are weak. Not as amazing as you think you are. And so that's why this time of year, right now, you may not be very excited about Christmas in the way that I think God would want us to celebrate and rejoice Christmas. And so if I could recommend something, I would say there's probably not enough space in our life right now for the good news of Jesus to come in. And so the goal is not to add something on top, okay? It's not just to take all the festivities that surround Christmas and like add them on top of everything. The goal is that we need to actually decrease some other things. Um, I think our soul needs some kind of detox. I think we need a clean soul. I want you to know this Christmas you can actually sing the same song that we're going to read Mary singing here. You can have the same kind of soul, spirit, rejoicing, and praise toward Jesus. And it can change your life, but you need to clean out your soul. In 2 Chronicles 16, it says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. In Psalm 51, King David says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And so I just want you to take inventory of your life right now, imminently practical. How many negative words and life-draining words are you speaking every day right now that need to actually be positive, hopeful, 
They need to be encouraging. If you take away the hopeful, you got Caleb, positive and encouraging. Okay, just think of it that way. Um, how many of you right now, your thought life is not disciplined? You are giving your mind and your emotions and your anticipations and your planning and whatever it is to a million things. And what's not at the center is that child born in the manger and all of the hope and the joy and the peace that he brings. That's yours right now, child of God. Right now in your life, if you could just think, how much is there unnursed or uncared for, rather nursed, bitterness, envy, unforgiveness? And you can't find yourself fully present as a worshiper in this Christmas season. I think our soul needs to be cleansed. And so my invitation to you is to ask yourself the question, how's my soul? How's my spirit? How's my inner being? And what am I doing to minister to that? You know, everything in our life counts. Everything we take in counts. Every influence that's there, everything we watch, everything we're listening to, it all has value. It all comes in and it affects our soul and our spirit. So my invitation is take inventory. One of the things that I love about the, the first couple verses of this song is that Mary says, my soul praises the Lord. You know what the ESV, closer to the literal translation is my soul, and you've heard it before, magnifies the Lord. Is there a magnifying glass right now in our life toward heaven? Are we searching and seeking and fixing our mind on what is pure, what is eternal, what is excellent, what is noble, what's true, what's righteous? My soul magnifies the Lord. Perhaps that magnifying glass is somewhere it shouldn't be this season. God doesn't want that for you. He wants you to move it and focus it where it should be. And when we do, we start to experience something. We really do. On the other side of this, we start to experience something. I think of what Mary expresses in, in the rest of this, starting in verse 48. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He has shown mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. Church, listen. Verse 47, she sings, God, my Savior. Verse 48, she sings, he took notice of me. Verse 49, he has done great things for me. Verse 50, she sings of his mercy from generation to generation, a.k.a. it's reached me, just like it did everyone before me, just like it's going to reach people after me. Have you made the Christmas story personal this year? Has it become personal to you? Are you celebrating all the good news of Jesus coming to earth, being born in a manger personally? Can I just tell you good news, my friend? Did you know this? Did you know that there is a redeemer? Did you know that there is a God who saves? Did you know that there is a God who identifies with you and me? There is no God like him. He became flesh and blood. He took on skin. He walked a life on this earth and can empathize with everything that we experience. There is no suffering that he does not know and understand and relate to. He bled, like we sang earlier, for us. He's a God who weeps. What other God is like that? This is a God who so loves you that he made himself vulnerable to come and live a life from birth to the cross that you and I could not live. He was holy, sinless. He was a substitute for us on the cross he bore our sin so that we might have forgiveness. And guess what? He is a resurrected king. 
He's a king who is living and ruling and reigning right now. He is your king, Christian. Are you bowing down to him as your king? Christian, do you claim Jesus? Do you know who he is? He is worthy of our knee. He's worthy of our praise. Oh, how our soul might magnify the Lord. This is good news not just for the world. It's good news for you. You. He knows your name. He knows the number of your days. He knows your personality. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knit you and formed you together in your mother's womb. He knows you. He loves you. He sees you. He sent his son for you. Can we make Christmas immensely personal this year? If this isn't hitting home yet, I think the reason why could be revealed as we continue in verse 51. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. Here's what she says. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Verse 51, she sings, he has scattered the proud. Verse 52, she sings, he's brought down princes. Verse 53, he has sent the rich away. You want to know what the application of this is? God does not welcome our pride. He rejects people who are prideful. Perhaps the disconnect this season of Christmas is pride. Right now, you have too much weight on you. Maybe in your life right now, you're putting too much stock in you, too much expectation that you're placing on yourself, too much believing that you can fix and bring the solution. You're trying to do everything in your own strength. You're relying too much on your own self-sufficiency. Can I just declare something over our church? We ain't able. We're not able. We need divine help. We need divine strength. That's how we were made to live this life. You have been running on fumes, perhaps, because you're trying to do life by yourself. You're not the main character of your story. Jesus is. Orient your life around him and you will find life itself. Abundant life. Child of God, come and find rest. Humble yourself this Christmas before the mighty throne of Almighty God. You know, at the end of your life and mine, we will not declare Jesus was a huge help to me. We will declare Jesus saved me. Jesus bought me. Jesus pardoned me. Jesus took my death and he gave me his life. He indwelled me. He sustained me. He preserved me. He kept his promises to me. He resurrected me. He made me new. He filled me with his spirit. He earned salvation for me. My name is written in his Lamb's book of life. God so loved me. God blessed me. We will not point to us. God lived in and through me. Come on, somebody. Christmas is I have favor from God because I know his son. What good news. 
Oh, saints, beloved, how humility will bless us this Christmas. It's all about the mighty person and power of that child in that manger. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, fill us afresh right now. Give us a fresh filling of you. Fall afresh on us. Come and fill us again, we pray. May our souls magnify the Lord and rejoice in God, our Savior. Finally, this morning, I want to highlight something in Mary that isn't unique to her. But it gives her the ability to worship and praise God the way that we've read. It's something accessible to you and I today, and it's remarkably simple. You want to know what it is? You don't know what you need this Christmas, what I need this Christmas? Faith. Simple faith. Church, don't forget about the need in all of this for faith. She believed the words of Gabriel in verse 37, for nothing is impossible with God. You know what that means literally? That means that the word of God will never fail. And that's why I think Elizabeth affirms Mary in verse 45. She says, you are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Can I ask a question? What did Mary have to depend on? The word of God. What do we have to depend on? The word of God. This is what a spirit of faith looks like in the people of God. See, a simple reading of this song, it reveals to us something very clearly that Mary knew the word of God. It was internalized. She was likely uneducated, potentially illiterate, but she had hidden God's word in her heart. This whole section is filled with Old Testament reflections that are just brought into new expressions in her song. So what it means is that she committed everything she learned, what she heard verbally, orally, to memory. She hid God's word in her heart, and when God Almighty, the sovereign of the universe, came to her, chose her to bear the savior of the world, she didn't ask a lot of questions. She worshiped. She so knew the heart of God, the character of God. She so trusted in the plans and the promises of God that she didn't fear, she sang praise. Oh, could it be like that for us? And think about this, think about this, think about this. This is written, nothing has even happened yet. Are we realizing this? Nothing has even happened yet. I love this from Charles Spurgeon. He said, there are some of you who cannot even sing over a mercy when it's born in your life. But here is a woman who sings over an unborn mercy. Hebrews 11.1 says, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Did you know right now we're living in between the already and the not yet? We're living in between the first advent and the second advent, the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. What would it look like for us to take God at his word? to look at the first advent and think of all the promises he made in ages past and that he was faithful and that Jesus was faithful to death on a cross. All the promises fulfilled. Can we live right now as a people who take God at his word? Christmas is a time to remember God's faithfulness then and to remember God's faithfulness in the future. We have a God who is a promise keeper. We have a God who is going to bring a new heavens and a new earth and renew and restore all things. We have a God who's going to wipe every tear from every eye. We have a God who is going to heal, a God who is going to restore. This is our God. You, Christian, if you love Jesus, you've bowed your knee to him, repented of sin, you've given him your life, this is the hope that you claim. This is the, the hope that you profess 
I love this quote from Tony Evans. Faith is like, it's living like God is telling the truth. Faith is living like God is telling the truth. If I had one thing today for us to walk out of here with, could it just be that? Faith is living like God is telling the truth. And can I just say something to you, friend? Sometimes it just needs to be said, you can trust God. You can trust God. You can trust God. Do you know this? You can actually trust him today. If you're someone in the room who does not yet trust in Jesus, the harsh reality is that there is no real blessing to celebrate this Christmas unless you receive the gift of salvation. Otherwise, Christmas will ultimately amount to another time of vain, powerless festivity. But here are the the conditions for God's grace that we learn right here in this text. Mary says, he shows mercy to all who fear him or have reverence for him. She says that he exalts the humble. And she says he has filled the hungry with good things. If you're here this morning and you've not yet given your life to Jesus, I don't know what brought you here today. I don't know where you stand with God. But I have a simple question. Are you hungry? Is there something in that soul and that spirit that you are hungry for? Let me plead with you. How important to you is peace, joy, hope? How important to you is confidence in a God who will never leave or forsake you? How important are those things to you? I want you to know you are not as far from God as you might think you are. God chose an unwed, teen, 14-year-old, uneducated, poor girl to bear Jesus Christ. Do you know what that means? That means that God can choose anyone. To have favor with God, which is the status of every born-again Christian, is literally to be graced. That's what it means, to be graced. It means that you are given something by God that is not earned or deserved. You have no resume to bring before him. You simply bring faith in his son. I want to invite you this morning, if you are that person who's sitting here and you are hungry and you're tired of being hungry, there is so much more for you in Jesus. Would you give your faith to him? Would you ask for forgiveness from him? He will give it willingly. Would the songs that we sing right after this be the first songs that you have sang as a Christian who belongs to God? Would this Christmas be the first Christmas you celebrate, not by religious tradition, but because there is new life in you, because you've placed your faith in Jesus? Let's pray. God, we're grateful today that we can trust you. We're grateful today that we can take you at your word. We're grateful today that we have a model of what praise and faith looks like. We're grateful today, Jesus, that you became flesh for us. We're grateful, grateful, grateful. Would you help that be our posture? We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said,